This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in to the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to another continuation episode of our spring preview series, one in which uh, we've discussed a lot of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, offensive line, tight ends, and now we're switching to the defensive side of the football. And today is the defensive line day. We've got a full coverage uh, content plan on the site on duckterritory.com, focused entirely on the defensive line. So go check all of that work out as well um, on duckterritory.com. But here on the show, uh, guys, this is a position group, the defensive line, that has seen some changes. It's seen some I guess players being added to the mix Um, in 2021, it was expected to be one of the best defensive lines in the country headlined by all American Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, But you also had Brandon Dorless. You had Popo Amave. Um, The expectations with Keon Ware Hudson and Christian Williams and Keanu Williams and Jason Jones was this team would, would be just unreal up front. And I think, they were when they were healthy, but the issue in 2021 was that was a very a far and few between opportunities to be healthy. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau missed substantial time because of injuries. Um, we know Keon Ware Hudson dealt with injuries, which ended up knocking him out of action at the end of the year. Um, we also saw Christian Williams deal with injuries that made him unavailable for parts of the season. So, it was one in which uh, after 2021, you were like, yeah, they were good, but man, we didn't see the full potential. And that's almost kind of the hope in 2022 is can you establish your group again and get them back to be fully ready to go for 2022? And this, by the way, the, the, the position group looks a lot better today than I think some of us feared it might yeah. a couple of months ago because following mm-hmm. – I mean, everybody knew K2 was gone. That was like the worst kept secret. And that we knew that literally when he signed, it was like he's here in, through three years. And after 2021, he's gone. 
I thought it was really significant that both Brandon Dorlis and Popo Amavai elected to return. Um, I think both have had opportunities to, you know, maybe transfer, but certainly to look at the NFL. Both of them came back. Um, and those are two guys who were all conference by the media this last year. And Dorlis was an all conference first team selection by the conf- uh, by the conference's coaches. So these are two of the better defensive linemen in the conference. Both came back, both started 13 out of 14 games a year ago. Um, really big that they're back. Um, and then there's a couple of additions that I'm going to let Jared share in a moment here, but just a couple of grad transfers that fill out this group. And I thought that was really significant. And so I think you're building around Dorlis and Amavai, but you've also got like the two deep, which I'll get to a little bit later. Like, I think you feel pretty good about all six guys you're talking about here. And I also want to note for those listening, like we're going to separate the edge guys from this group. So the Braden Swinsons, the Adrian Jacksons, um, you know, the, the Trevin Maize, some of those kind of guys, Mace Funas, are going to be talked about in the linebacker section we're going to get to tomorrow, um, just so there's no confusion there. Um, I have 14, still, I have 14 defensive linemen amongst this group, including four newcomers. Um, Dorless is back, Amabai's back, Matt already mentioned Keon Hudson, who I actually thought played really, really well in the middle of last season and, and kind of proved himself to, to put, I think, to potentially be the next you know, I don't want to say star, but arguably the team's most impactful defensive lineman in the 2023 season once a couple of these other guys leave. Um, Christian Williams is back, as Matt mentioned. DJ Johnson is back, and I'm including him with the defensive line, even though he played tight end. He played D-line last year. Um, I think he sticks on defense this year. Seems like that makes a lot of sense for for the team just in general based upon the positions that they have. Um, And then a couple other guys that are back, Keanu Williams, Jalen Smith, Suavi Poti, who, by the way, did start a game last year, and Masiel Afisi are all back. Um, and again, which is a group where a lot of the names I just mentioned have, have played very few snaps. I mean, Keanu Williams barely played last year. Jalen Smith, I don't know if he's really played hardly at all in his two years. He played offensive line in 20. Um, and Poti, again, got one start, but really didn't play a ton throughout the year. Was And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if Afisi really played much either. So, um You've got, I think you've got probably five to six guys you feel pretty good about. And then other guys you've got confidence could develop into good players, but we just haven't really seen it. Um, and then like new, four new guys, Jared, including, I think, two grad transfers who I anticipate will will probably be impactful sooner than later. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with the grad transfers. You could land Sam Taimani, whose nickname is Taki, which is great. But Taimani is a uh, graduate transfer from the University of Washington, so that's another storyline that we can add to this. Um, he was one of Washington's best interior linemen last year, um, arguably the best. Um, so to, to land him and land a solidified uh, two, three-year starter from Washington, a Pac-12 school who has been in recent years known for their defense is really important. That helps solidify who's behind Dorless and Amabe. Uh, you have Jordan Riley or Jordan Riley from uh, Nebraska. He follows over new defensive line coach Tony Tuioti. Uh, and so he'll, he'll provide more depth, um, not a lot of not a lot of the same production that Taimani brought along from his graduate transfer days. But then you add two new freshmen in Sir Mel's and Ben Roberts, um, both, fun fact, former Washington commits uh, mm-hmm. who have now flipped over to, to Oregon, uh, both interior defensive linemen. Uh, ben Roberts is, is smaller than Sir Mel's, but that's that's not saying a lot because Sir Mel's is your very prototypical um, defensive tackle space eater type of player. Um, you know, six, six, I think he's listed on 24 seven as 
or six four, excuse me, and three hundred and ten pounds. Um, he's a big kid. Uh, he kind of replaces uh, Jason Jones in terms of just the size factor that Oregon can put out there onto the field. Um, he's a, like a, he's a little taller than your average interior defensive lineman. So, and with, with Jones gone, Oregon needs somebody to replace him. Uh, ben Roberts is the higher of the two in terms of recruiting. Uh, Roberts is just outside of a four-star status. Uh, so he's a high three-star. But um, if you watch his tape, Utah native, um, he's really he's, he's quick for his size. He's got heavy hands, which I love. Love that usage. I've never heard of that before, Cristobal. But heavy hands is very true with Ben Roberts. Um, so I think it, in, in the grand scheme of things, uh, for Oregon to land those two recruits or at least keep them on their on their on their signee list, um, I think is important for them because although there are a lot of names for the defensive line position, um, like Eric was mentioning, there's not a lot of solidified talent that Oregon can go into this upcoming season and know for a fact that these guys are going to contribute other than where Hudson, Dorless, and Amabe. So getting Taimani, getting uh, Riley from Nebraska, you know, those guys can sure it up. Uh, and then, you know, expect Roberts and Mel's to at least compete for some time with with Christian, with both Williams, Keanu and Christian and Suava. So it should be it should be a, a solid group in terms of depth. Um, there's just going to be questions in terms of productivity behind their starting two. There's going to be quite a bit of discussion here about who fits where, yeah. um, who who plays behind this person, um, I think it's almost difficult to kind of project who are your starters until we get a good feel of where these guys fit position-wise. Um, I, I do co feel confident that Brandon Dorless and Popo Amabe will be starting. Um, mm -hmm. But, guys, is it, is it fair to say, like, we, even those guys could be playing even just a little bit different of roles in 2022 than maybe in 2021? Yeah, it's really hard to do it too deep here. This is the hardest one yet for me. I mean, we just did the offensive line yesterday, and it's like we, the positions don't change from one staff to another. You've got a left tackle. You've got a left guard. You go down the line. How you choose right. to employ on a defensive line, like I, I'm really curious to see formationally what this looks like. I mean, when Landon got to Georgia, it was a 4-3. last couple of years, it was a 3-4 kind of look that sort of resembled a little bit what Oregon did with some standing edge guys that could also put a hand down where you've got – you know, kind of what you saw with a little bit of KT or Braden Swinson. Um, how I don't know. There's a lot of guys on Oregon's roster who I just don't know exactly where to peg right now. Um, and that even includes this defensive, this group here, because, like, you could convince me, like, Popo Amavai was your starting nose tackle all of last year, but I think he played under 300 pounds. Is that really effective for this new front? You know, is that really what Tosh Lupoi or Tony Toyoti or Dan Lanning want is, in a, you know, is your – your send, you know, your, your nose tackle to be 290, and maybe Popo can go back. And I think he, he's played at over 300 before. Maybe that's an adjustment they make. But like, could a Sam Taimani be a better fit at nose tackle? So you start him there because he's like 320, 330, I think, or he's been there mm -hmm. that, that way in the past. Maybe, maybe that opens the door for Popo to move outside a little bit, you know. And, and I mean, in my head right now, I've got, or at least what I've written down for the site is. Doorless Amavai and Wara Hudson as you're starting three there, but you could convince me that that I've got two of the right names, but they're in all in the wrong spot. Like, um, was it Mastermind that little game you used to play where you try to get the like the, the little pegs in the right like colors in the right spot? 
it kind of feels like the same thing here where it's like, or even Wordle. I know Wordle's a better, more, a more contemporary reference, but where you've got the, you've got, you might have the five right letters, but they're all in the wrong spots. I kind of feel like it's the same thing here with the defensive line where you've got, and maybe that was a terrible reference. I don't know. You can correct me. I've only Wordled. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Okay. Jer- Jer- I've only Wordled with Jared once or twice before. That's my Wordle experience. But uh, it kind of, my, my point being like, I think you could convince yourself you've got the three guys, but they could all be, playing slightly different positions than what you expect them to play. And a, a lot of this will again come down to Toyoti um, and Lupoi and some of these other position coaches of like, okay, where does Dorless fit? You know, do we like him playing at a defensive end kind of, I don't know. I mean, I think I, it's hard to really even kind of digest and try to make predictions based upon some of this, because we just have a lack of scheme fit. Also a lack of how they assess the talent, because to me, Dorless, Amavai and Ware Hudson are all pretty similar builds and all kind of similar skill sets. Dorless being, I think include the best pass rusher, but you could convince me that you can move these guys all over the place. And if you need a true, a truer nose tackle, Taimani might be your best bet. So it's, it's, there's a lot of, I think, I think Matt nailed it in terms of like, yeah, it's, it's hard right now to really project it too deep. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the biggest issue is that we just don't know how this defense is going to orient itself. Um, we've seen a lot of different defenses in the last couple of years at Oregon with Andy Avalos and then Tim DeRuiter last year. Um, I think the only real one consistent that was on those two types of defenses is having KT be that stand-up edge rusher. And other than that, we've seen fluctuation from the defensive line position where, you know, Brandon Dorless kind of came into his own in 2020, but you weren't really sure about him. Like maybe he could be productive like this. And then last year he shows that he could be extremely productive from that position. When in 2019 you saw from Popo Amove where, you're like, oh, this guy could be something. He could be a really good player in 2020. And then he has somewhat of a letdown year in 2020, but then comes back to be one of Oregon's better defensive linemen in 21. So for for, for Oregon and, and where we're heading into spring camp, you know, just really interested to see what their defensive line rotations or what basically what their, their scheme is up front. Because like like Eric was saying, like you can have these three guys in Amave, Dorless, and Keon Ware Hudson, but maybe only two of them see the field. Maybe they run two interior linemen with two edge rushers. It's something that Georgia did a lot last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps when you have Jordan Davis for Georgia last year, and you you know have like a first round draft pick who's a nose tackle, which you know rarely happens. But I mean. Maybe Oregon's defensive line is going to have somebody of "quote unquote" Davis's size, like Eric was mentioning, where they have, you know, someone maybe not Sirmel's, but someone of Sirmel's size, or Jordan Riley, who's the the grad transfer from Nebraska, who's listed at six five three thirty. Maybe that's their interior run stuffer, or Sam Taimani, who actually has experience being a, an interior run stuffer. So there are a lot of question marks there. Um, that and you know who other than Dorless and Amave is there going to be somebody who you can you know rely on consistently to rush the passer from the interior perspective because and we'll get to edge rushers in another podcast but you know Oregon has some guys who can rush the edge but it was really Dorless or Bust last year and when Kayvon Thibodeau went down with an injury um, teams could focus just on him and it would be a 2v1 matchup and Dorless was he would try his damnedest, but he couldn't get to the quarterback because they focused in on him. So it'll be 
it'll be interesting to see who, who comes in as a pass rusher as well. Um, just a lot of unanswered questions in a group that honestly is probably one of the stronger ones on Oregon's defense heading into the season, just in terms of depth and uh, the ability to have some flexibility in their and uh, whoever they start. When we come back from this quick break, uh, we're going to discuss some questions, um, some spring game thoughts, and just the overall position unit to wrap this up here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Um, talking defensive line here on this preview of spring football. Um, everyone, look, Oregon has to replace one of the greatest players to ever play at Oregon. That's Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I don't know... If it's if it's fair to say that um, who's going to just you know straight replace Kivado's production like that just doesn't happen. You're not gonna you're not gonna do that. There's there's not a at least in my eyes there's not a top five NFL draft pick on Oregon's defensive line that will just slide right in and the, the production will will just remain the same or better. Um, I, I think for me, one of the questions, and maybe we can discuss this real quickly here, is just does someone emerge to be the next great defensive lineman? That could be Popo Amave being a run-stuffing uh, defensive tackle. This could be a, a Brandon Dorless who is maybe a, a defensive tackle that shows the ability to, to get to the quarterback off the edge or, or be a you know a balanced run-stuffer, kind of your, your – guy that's good at both roles or maybe someone emerges that's uh playing along the defensive line that turns into just an elite edge rusher for, for Oregon I, I think that maybe is the better question is is there going to be a guy on this defense or maybe there's two or three of them that emerge as well that, that is an automatic first team all defensive Pac-12 player well Dorless, I think is your is your clear answer to that question? I'm not sure what the ceiling is. I don't see anybody in this entire group being probably a day one or two draft pick. If I'm totally honest, maybe Dorless can play himself into like a late second, mid third. Maybe that's the high the ceiling there. Um, but he's a guy who was all conference a year ago, so I think certainly he's a name there. And I think he, I thought he was really productive on run and pass downs. I think the stats don't necessarily play out all of his contributions. And that's a hard thing with analyzing defensive line stats a lot of the time is you're like, well, this guy had 21 tackles. This, these aren't his stats, but this is hypothetical. Like, this guy had 21 tackles and three tackles for loss and one sack. Are you telling me he's good? And it's like, yeah, but did you see they needed to double team him? Did you see how many times right. he was the one that, that you know, 
beat his man and that required the the running back to chip which made room for the you know the outside linebacker to come around and, and finish the play or whatever um so many or how many times did he you know his interior pressure forced the quarterback to roll out of the pocket which happened a lot with Dortless, by the way where you're you know and then suddenly he either has to throw it away or get sacked or, or scramble or whatnot or how many times he deflects a pass or impacts the trajectory of a pass like i think those type of things get lost on defensive line play which is why like pff i believe had him the highest rated interior lineman in the conference last year um so i, I think there's your answer the other sneaky one from like a high ceiling player is just is dj johnson and i say that just yeah. because i think the athletic profile could be just devastating for opponents in dan landing scheme like he is a georgia type body and oregon doesn't necessarily have a lot of them on this this defense but a really big well put together guy who as you saw at tight end you get him the ball in space, could run away from people. Um, I mean, DJ Johnson, I think athletically is, is is freaky, and that's kind of been the story with him. It was just, can he produce? Maybe this year in this defense, he elevates himself to being that kind of a guy. And he's your, you know, we talk about who's going to lead the team in sacks. Maybe it's DJ Johnson, and maybe he doesn't even start to do that, but he just is almost solely in on passing downs and just wreaks havoc. Um, I could totally see a scenario there. Um, those would be my two picks for guys that could really maybe take a step. I don't know if athletically I see enough from the rest to really move up the, the charts to be. I mean, Amavai was all conference last year. That's, that's kind of another easy choice for talking just all conference. But if we're talking like guys we'll talk about for decades as being some of the best defensive linemen Oregon has had or had single seasons like that, I kind of think Dorless and DJ Johnson would be my, my picks. Yeah, that was basically what I was going to go with. I think those are your two obvious options um, for DJ Johnson. It's kind of, it's I don't know. It kind of reminds me of how like Gus Cumberlander was in 2019, where before he was injured, where he wasn't the most productive in his years prior, but with the new new defensive philosophy that Andy Avalos had at the time, yeah. where a lot of as a defensive lineman, a lot of stand up kind of edge rushing. DJ Johnson has that capability. Um, like Eric was mentioning, he's clearly one of the best defensive line athletes that Oregon has on the roster. I don't really think that there's another guy like him in terms of his size and speed. Um, and it seems at this point that he'll be full-time defense compared to him playing offense and defense last year than uh, as a tight end in, in 2020. Um, so I think there's still a lot of potential in him. And I think with Lanning and, and this defensive philosophy that he has and same with Tosh Lupoi and, and getting Tony Tuioti to, to teach him just, you know, more skill sets. Um, I think he could become somebody who could lead the team in sacks. Um, in general, I don't think there's going to be a clear sack leader on this team. I think it's going to be a lot of sacks by committee. Um, that, and that includes Brandon Dorless too, um, because he was obviously Oregon's best interior defensive lineman last year. Um, when Kayvon Thibodeau was on the field, Brandon Dorless was – almost as disruptive as Kayvon Thibodeau was. Um, I think there's a, that, that there's a lot of reasons as to why he considered going to the NFL draft after last season when he came into the year as, you know, sort of an afterthought of Oregon's defense. It's like, okay, cool. He's our starting defensive lineman for the year. We have that solidified. But then when you saw him play and he had one-on-one -on -one matchups, you know, he was winning that a lot. And like Eric mentioned, the stats on defensive linemen don't always show that, someone's really good other than when they're spectacular and they have, you know, 14, 15 sacks. But Dorless was one of those players where the stats don't really indicate how important and impactful he was on, on Oregon's team last year. Um, 
So those are the two guys. It's kind of hard for me to predict that there's going to be another player who's going to make that big of an impact. Um, maybe Popo drops some more weight and becomes a little bit more of an edge rusher. Um, or maybe he bulks up. It's it's too hard. It's too early to tell, really, without seeing anything that um, this defense has like, in person in terms of their rotations and how they align and all that. But just going off of who are the who are the couple guys who can replicate the Kayvon Thibodeau factor? Like Eric said, those are the, those are the two main options, honestly. I I think. One of the discussion points I'm going to be paying the most attention to in the spring game and then throughout all of spring, really, isn't just what Popo Amave and Brandon Dorless and Keon Ware Hudson do. I mean, I, I think those are Oregon's three best defensive linemen in my eyes. I, I think you can argue Christian Williams is, is just behind that group. But more so, of what, what does Oregon have in – a Jalen Smith. What does uh, Michaela yeah. Fisi give Oregon? What does Suave Poti um, give Oregon? Does Ben Roberts or Sir Mel's? Do these guys push their way into the discussion point? I'm almost more curious just to see how the younger guys, the second and third string guys, fit into this position group. And then, secondly, just do we see any kind of position changes? How you know, we haven't discussed players like Braden Swinson, Trevin Maai, um, Jaden Neverett, uh, Mace Funa, because we don't quite know where to position them. We're going to discuss them more at length at linebacker, but just real quickly, like, do any of those guys bounce down a level to the defensive line? I mean, that's where my focus is going to be at is a position wise, how does just Dan Lanning employ this defense? And then secondly, where does the younger guys fit into this mix and what kind of gains can they make going into the offseason? Jake Shipley's one I think could certainly yeah. – in fact, I forgot to mention him earlier because I got a little sheepish about knowing exactly where he fits. So, But I think he probably – he's at like 6'4", 270. I think you see him add weight or maybe he stays the same and he plays you know, a defensive end role. Um, that would be a player that would certainly make sense there. I agree, Matt. Like my question for spring is is probably less about the two deep, even though I don't know if we have we don't have a full clear picture of what the two deep looks like. I think we think we know like who the top four or five guys are, but like yeah, yeah we don't know much about Keanu Williams or Jalen Smith or Suavi Poti or Michael Afisi or even Sam Taimani or Jordan Riley. Like who knows? Jordan Riley, I know that was a name when he he committed, and I was guilty of this. Like was kind of like. Weird move. Like, guy yeah. didn't really produce that much at Nebraska. But again, I haven't watched all of Nebraska's games, and he could be the Brandon Dorless of Nebraska, where Nebraska fans are like, actually, he was really impactful. He just didn't, he only finished with 10 tackles in 10 games or whatever it was. Um, like, a lot of these guys who I think we see as supplementary parts, you're going to need at least two or three of them to elevate their play to be rotational guys. And who are those players? Like, frankly, I don't know. Um, I also like would bring up Christian Williams is a name that I think gets overlooked a little bit. He started more games mm -hmm. in 20 than Dorless or where Hudson did. And then in 21 kind of, he still started two games, but kind of fell back a little bit. I'll be curious to see what his progression looks like. Cause I've always been a fan of him and his versatility um, being a guy who can move around and play several spots. So um, that would be another one I'd go with, but I think Matt kind of nailed the point I wanted to make, which is there's like a handful or more guys that I think could 
contribute this year, but there's probably only room for a couple of them to, and which guys are the ones that step up. And frankly, a couple of these guys, if they don't step up, are probably looking to enter the portal maybe as soon as after spring ball because you've got 14 defensive linemen on scholarship, and if you're a second- or third-year guy and you're still not in the two-deep or you're not even in the three-deep potentially, like you're probably going, okay, I'm not going to be able to play much here. Let me find a place where I can yeah, those are those are my main concerns as well. It's I think it's kind of hard to find another question about this group, other than like you know what's it going to look like on the field with Blanning and Lupois defense, and you know who's going to step up outside of of Doralis and Amave. Um, you guys hit on all of those points. It's just you know it's a lot of it's a lot of good question marks to have because you know again like you have your solidified starting two. You bring in Taimani, who has a lot of experience at Washington, who's a good player. Um, and Riley is just more depth, who has you know, starting experience in Nebraska and has actually played in Power 5 conference games. Um, but, you know, outside of that, it's, you know, why did Christian Williams drop off last year? Like, was it just because somebody like Keon Ware Hudson stepped in front of him? Or was it because of a different issue, injuries, whatever the case may be? Um, I just don't think that there's too many questions with this group, which is – better than not uh it's just what does it look like who can step up and you know what does what is landing and loop boys defensive philosophies you know how do they use these positional guys it's a, certainly a talented group um one that we all see a ton of potential in they should be a really good group again in 2022 it's going to be interesting spring to see how this kind of plays out um, make sure to go to duckterritory.com for more coverage of this uh, position group going into spring football and uh, check out our past works and other position recaps. Um, and, and until the next podcast, you've been listening to the Odds and Olives podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.